St. Paul said three times, I begged the Lord to take this away from me, but our Lord said, no, my power is made perfect in you in weakness. So then St. Paul thanked God for his weaknesses. That's not an easy thing for us to do. I'm going to tell you a story from, this goes back a ways, as you were young, we'll think this is the dark ages, 1979, and uh, I was a monk then, and I was, I was a novice up in um, Valiermo, St. Andrew's Priory then, out in the California high desert. And when you're a novice, whether it's up here, up the road here or any other place, they tend to want you to stay home that year. It's part of your, it's part of what you have to go through is to give up the things that you normally would do, whether it's friends or, or movies or whatever. And so uh, my mother wanted to come up in the fall and uh, visit their fall or early spring. And uh, so she was four and a half hours away down in East County, San Diego. So uh, the, uh, the prior, the head of the community, had a brother down in San Diego, so he, he went down there regularly, and he picked her up and brought her up to the monastery, and she was going to stay up in the abbey. Um, uh, there was a place called the Ranch House, very, very nice accommodations for uh, monks, relatives, and things. And they went to open the trunk to get her suitcase out and found that the main suitcase was sitting on the bed in San Diego. Picking it up would be a nine-hour drive. What would you do? She, huh? You'd buy new clothes? You're 50 miles from Fred Meyer. Some pilgrim you are. Can't you, can't you accept this deprivation for the love of Christ? Well, my mother decided she was going to live with it, right? So, unfortunately, she only had one set of clothes, but... Uh, it, remember, this is the 1970s, right? It was a bright pink pantsuit. <laughs> so they had five, five prayers a day, vigils, which I deeply hated. That was at 6 a.m., one reason I'm not there today. And uh, then they had morning prayer at about 7.30, mass at noon, uh, evening prayer, night prayer. So she attended four of the five of those. And... She was there a week, and every time she came in the little church, she wore a bright pink pantsuit. And some of the monks began to say, who is this chick with the, with the bright pink pantsuit? <laughs> I didn't want to tell them. It was my mother. They thought, they thought does, one of them said, doesn't she have anything else to wear? You know, it was so bright. And she was very embarrassed. So this does, this does fit in with the readings. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> You're wondering, where am I going with this story? Um, when she, being at 4,000 feet at certain times of the year, like L.A. was this weekend, you could get up into the 115-type range. That's pretty normal for that area. And it could go all the way down very quickly. So it got very cold. She didn't have her jacket. She got pneumonia, very bad pneumonia. I felt so bad about this. And it just would not go away. She was living alone, so it was pretty hard down there. And I couldn't come help, you know. I felt so bad about this. They finally x-rayed her because they couldn't get rid of it, right? She had the beginnings of lung cancer. If she hadn't come up there with that bright pink pantsuit, they wouldn't have caught it, and she would have died within the year. As it was, it bought her four more years of life. So, my power is made perfect in weakness. Sometimes when we get to the point where we don't know what to do, I think to myself, all right, this is a pink pantsuit moment, right? <laughs> I'm sorry to inflict that on you. Um, but it's true. 
Um, sometimes our best blessings come from not knowing what to do. We have to ask for help. We don't have all the answers. Who were the people that killed Christ in the Gospels? They were the people who had everything. They had no use for his salvation. They were doing just fine. God loves me. I've got everything I want. I've got all the answers, money, power, fame. They don't know their own mortality. They don't need his salvation. You see this today, even. Christ is attracted by weakness. He wants people with sin. He doesn't love the sin, but sinners are attracted to him. People that are ill and and infirm, they've got problems at home. We see this throughout the Gospels, of which Mary Magdalene is the quintessential example, with seven demons. She loved him so much she went to the cross with him. Very few stuck that out, but she loved him for what, in her weakness. The the strong ones were, were spitting on him, right? So our weaknesses attract us to Christ. The problem is we don't want them. Um, So often I'll visit somebody that's sick, whether at the end of life or in the middle to anoint them, and they'll say to me, uh, some are very active, and I'll say, boy, you've got the hardest assignment of your life, don't you, right now? And they'll say, yeah, because we don't want to be waited on. We want to be active. When I used to lose my voice, I'd say to God, Lord, I have so much to say. (laughs) He'd say, no, you don't. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) And we, we want to be perfect, but God shows best when we don't have the answers. We have to rely on him. If we allow him, he will slowly unpack our suitcases so that more and more we can be filled with his spirit. It was like even building this church. It's not perfect, of course, but we had to ask a lot of people. That was the strength of, of our committee, is that we were open to people's opinions. We didn't take them all, but we did listen. And the more we're each a building of God, the more that we allow the prophets in our lives that God places there to, to form us and the spirit to fill us, um, we can do more good work for God and glorify him, but in order to be filled, we have to be emptied first. Um, I had a, the experience of Monday, I had a sick call, which is normally my day off, so I felt very virtuous in the doing this, which I would do it and, and whenever I have to do it, but I came home and I, had, I got a flat tire. Man, the whole thing, it ruptured the entire tire, so I ended up, you know, Les, Les Schwab uh, for a while, and I I thought, wow, no good deed ever goes unpunished, you know. But in that lack of mobility uh, there, and they gave me a free tire because it was a road hazard, but, um, but you know, it just, you just realize how quickly your life can change, and I, I gained some insight from that. You know, um, God doesn't owe me a living. Uh, I need to accept what he, per, what he permits, and that's part of the lesson. And there was a very, we have to ask ourselves, am I open to being emptied by God, or am I willing in my lack when God doesn't take something away and we ask and we ask and we ask like St. Paul maybe there's some strength in this weakness and it can be we may not see it till the end of our lives I'm suffering for a reason or I'm in bed and can't get out so that others can serve me and in so doing serve Christ everybody that's laid up in some way is Christ and we in in loving you whether it's you know, everything from refugees to the 
St. Paul, Vincent de Paul or buying, buying plants from the youth today or fair trade coffee. It's always Christ, whatever we're doing in our lives, it's always Christ. Cleaning the pews, these are moments of weakness. It's all I can offer God is my weakness. Uh, he doesn't need our strength. He, he's already got that, but he's missing, what he's missing is what we lack and then we're attracted. Uh, one of the most powerful experiences I ever had as a priest was there's a gentleman in Tillamook who um, had for one reason or another, had he used to clean the church before my time, and he left, and he introduced himself one day, and I didn't have, really have time for all of his stories at that moment, and I never did get a chance to hear him because the next week he was in the hospital, and then a couple days later he died. So his widow came up, and we're still friends, although she's now laid up herself. This was 20 years ago now, and she said uh, she... It, I did the funeral for this man whom I had not at that point ever met except for that week. And she said, you know, he was very, very, very deeply alcoholic at one time. She said, let me tell you the story of how he became sober. She said, uh, he was, one day he was in a dead drunk and I didn't know what to do with him. I didn't want to divorce him, but I couldn't stand anymore. He wouldn't get help. You know how that is. You have to, they say you have to get to your lowest point before you ask for help. That's true for a lot of things in life for us. That's that moment of weakness when God steps in. So he felt flat on his face in the living room. He, by accident, according to her, fell on a newspaper that was on the floor. When he opened his eyes, underneath his eye was an ad for AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. He went. He was, um, what do you call it? He was uh, in recovery. And he ended up sponsoring other alcoholics. By the time he died, he had sponsored 200 uh, alcoholics. 200. And I was not allowed to mention anything of that because some of them wouldn't have wanted to be known. Others, you know, of course, were very open about it. The church was filled with these people. I thought, this man, in his moment of weakness, touched more people than almost anybody I've ever seen. Imagine the force for good that that, that openness to God in that terrible moment uh, for him became such a source of grace for others. That's a dramatic example of how God can use the... the we don't like our weaknesses. We beg God to take them away. Please make me healthy and I'll serve you better. Um, please help my family. Uh, we've got this problem and that. You know, we brought a whole pile of prayer intentions around with us in every altar, all 10 of them. And uh, it was filled with people and your needs. And you came with us on that, on that pilgrimage we just came back from. But sometimes God lets us keep our weakness, and there's a good reason for it. You may have to ask him at the end of your life. We may not always know, but there's always a benefit, and one of them is we're mortal. We don't have all the answers, but Christ does. When we know that we need him, he can pull us forward into our real home, which is heaven. In fact, we come running because we are aware that we can no longer do it ourselves. Those are the greatest graces of our lives, and uh, Christ waits for those moments. He's waiting outside the door until we open it in our desperation, or our, our lack invites us then to help others who are similarly afflicted like ourselves. The, many of you have experienced this of having gone through something and then gotten involved with others like, like my friend of so many years ago who touched so many lives. We pray that like St. Paul, we're not afraid to keep asking God for what we want, but occasionally we find that the Lord will not answer and won't tell us why. But we can say with St. Paul, uh, our Lord says to us too, 
I'm not going to take this away from you yet because my grace will fill your weakness and in that you will glorify me more than your strength. And so therefore, like St. Paul, we can say, when I am weak, then I am strong. The less I have, the more I depend on him. Even in pink pantsuit moments. <laughs>